Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Well, here on June 2nd, there are presidential primaries going on. Yes, it seems somewhat, I don't know, incredible that there are presidential primaries going on. After all, hasn't it already been decided? President Trump versus former Vice President Joe Biden. Isn't that the way it's going to be? Well, maybe not. Who knows? There are five months yet until the general election. Perhaps perhaps somebody like Mark Kubat will join in. You know, something exciting. But there are seven states and the nation's capital, District of Columbia, Washington, D.C., that are holding primaries. The biggest of the states in terms of vote, in terms of electoral vote, is Pennsylvania. It and Maryland and Indiana and Rhode Island, all of them postponed their primaries due to the coronavirus, COVID-19 situation. But other states actually intended to schedule their primaries to be held today. Those including the nation's capital and Montana, South Dakota, and New Mexico. So it will be very exciting. Of course, the overwhelming majority of ballots will undoubtedly be delivered via mail instead of voting in person. Still, it would seem as if today's primaries have been upstaged, you could say hijacked, by the massive, orchestrated, coordinated blacktivism that is covering the nation in major metropolitan areas in particular. But we'll see what happens. Now, Joe Biden is not yet the nominee of the Democrat Party. Instead, he is the presumptive nominee. So there is necessity for this. You know, even though it could go to the convention without him without Joe Biden having received enough votes to be named the nominee. So it could, that could happen, that could transpire. It could go on to the convention and then could be a contested convention. What if, what if various factions of the party should be dissatisfied with Joe Biden being the nominee and should choose to attempt to wrest the nomination from him. Again, if he has not received enough votes to be named the nominee prior to the convention. Many exciting possibilities are out there, no doubt. But 
In any case, as exciting as they are, there is this little matter of all this massive blacktivism. But what else is going on with regard to these primaries? We can look at this as these are just presidential primaries. It's just limited to the presidential race. Or is it? In point of fact, there are other elections that are in the balance here. House of Representatives and U.S. Senate seats are being contested or runoff elections for them. So there is additional import for these so-called primaries today. But meanwhile, I made reference the other day to a certain famous rapper who is also an actor. And he goes by the moniker Ice Cube. You know, self-styled <laughs> pseudonym Ice Cube. And I made mention of this, his, his statement. How long will we go for blue-on-black crime before we strike back? Fascinating, really, you know? <laughs> Here he is saying that when a black is injured, wounded, slain by a policeman, that it is always crime, you know, and it's always racist crime, hate crime. It's never by black police. Of course not. No, instead he refers to it neatly as blue on black, right? And isn't it interesting? Again, his words here. Threatening to strike back. Hmm? Unleash the murderers as if they're on leashes within the black community, justify them attacking police. As if this hasn't happened before. It has, time and again. Targeted murders, targeted assassinations of police, including black police, by blacks. But... No one's going to criticize dear Mr. VIP Celebrity Ice Cube. No. What if a white man said something like that? Huh? Even a white woman. <laughs> you know? But again, from a different perspective. The other way around. But no, he can get away with it. And that's viewed as, well, that's freedom of speech, freedom of expression, right? You do recall this massive social media lynch mob, dare I call it, 
that befell Amy Cooper and courtesy of the great city of New York, Bill de Blasio's Human Rights Commission, so-called, Bill de Blasio of the New Party, the Working Families Party, or as I prefer to call it, the Workers' Party, like in the former Soviet Union and so forth, and communist regimes everywhere. Always the Workers' Party. Here it's just, you know, tweaked ever so slightly, the Working Families Party. But this gang-banger attack of Amy Cooper via social media, like the case that I referred to a month or so ago in which a girl was attacked on a street in Brooklyn, grabbed by one big black guy who threw her down on the pavement on the sidewalk, and then somehow it was being videotaped by somebody, and a gang of black, male, and female individuals came literally flying in. No, not flying on wings, flying through the air in some cases. (laughs) Yes, leaping. For instance, one in particular who got there before the rest of the mob who leaped into the air and jumped down on this girl. And others came flying through the air and gang tackling her while she was on the pavement and beat her and kicked her and stomped her as much as they could. Oh, but you know, it's all oh, the blacks are just being so picked on. So terribly picked on, just like Ice Cube. He's had it so bad, so tough, really bad. If you want to find a place in the world where African-American people suffer monstrous violence, look at Africa. And historically, look at the Middle East. Look at the Islamist regimes and what they did and continue to do to black Africans. But let's not confuse ourselves with facts. Let's instead go along with this fictional narrative that is cooked up by all manner of Hollywood VIPs and community organization groups. Saul Alinsky, Barack Obama, community organizers. Let's go by what they have to say. Because, you know, they are voices of truth. Voices of reason. You know? Blackout Tuesday. You know, just... And again, this is an offshoot of Black Lives Matter, so-called. Meaning, Black Lives Matter most. I was, despite having 
shed myself of some of my naivete of earlier years, I still was shocked at the numbers of people that came figuratively to the defense of that monstrous murderer, Browner, in Southern California, who went about murdering people whom he took offense with, whom he thought had picked on him, regardless of their race. Yes, he murdered whites, but he murdered this one Oriental Asian young woman, college student. He murdered men of color and so forth. But, oh, he had been picked on. He hadn't been allowed to remain in law enforcement. So he went on a vendetta. And there were all of these people from Black Lives Matter who came to his defense, who championed him because he was African-American. It didn't matter that he was murdering people, including African-Americans. He was their guy. Brilliant. But it was extremely revealing about that wonderful organization. Well, President Donald Trump, you know, the man who has such great military experience. Yes, he spent so many years in the military and he served the nation so valiantly and gallantly in wartime. Oh, you mean he didn't? You mean he dodged the draft repeatedly? Shocking. Because, (laughs) you know, again, he speaks as if he was some great military leader. Instead of somebody who spoke disparagingly of the military and spoke of Of course, not having allowed himself to be drafted. Do you think I'm stupid? He wasn't going to be so stupid as to go to Vietnam. No, and allow his life to even be, oh, just, you know, put on hold for a bit. Or worse, of course. No, he wasn't so stupid as that. But he's a great admirer of military, you know. (laughs) Uh, Not of John McClain, but McCain, pardon me. Thinking of this other one with the name McClain, but no. He wasn't a great admirer of John McCain, former U.S. senator. Former Vietnam prisoner of war. No, not a great admirer of him. And not a great admirer of any that were so stupid, as he put it as to go to Vietnam. But anyway, he has declared himself the law and order president, the president of law and order. Well, (laughs) is he really associated with law, lawful activities and order? Is he really? Is that what his life 
speaks of. In terms of his business practices, in terms of his dodging the draft, in terms of his multiple marriages, does it speak of, you know, a man with great respect for the law, for observance of law? I don't think so. But at the same time, even a man like Donald Trump, being in this situation, these circumstances, choosing to become president, yes, to run for president, but also to become president, he takes certain responsibilities upon himself which require him to address these things. So he has labeled himself, as is his prerogative, as the president of law and order. He has stated that this massive blacktivism, including a great amount of looting, violent looting, that these are not acts of peaceful protest. These are acts of domestic terror. At the very least, this blacktivism is intended to intimidate and to coerce and to force their agenda on this nation. Again, by force. So I would say he is not in error with regard to that. Nonetheless, and we are essentially one week into this mass blacktivism, which again is orchestrated, coordinated, ginned up, But the president has apparently considered invoking the Insurrection Act going back to 187, a federal law which allows the president to deploy active duty United States troops. to respond to protests in cities. You might think that is an unprecedented abuse of power, but it was last invoked back in the protests, if you want to call them that, violent riots in 1992 in Los Angeles. But one statement that the president made that, again, I just have such trouble with, he said, quote, you have to dominate. He was speaking to governors and what have you. And he was giving them the what for. And if they didn't take charge in their states and deal with this violent protest, this blacktivism, the looting, and everything else, 
that the federal government, at his behest, would have to be deployed. Forces would have to be deployed. And he stated repeatedly, you have to dominate or they're going to run over you. Domination, though, what that brings to mind, government domination, what that brings to mind, to my mind, is a number of things. One, martial law. You know, the kind of thing that a former president, a great president, even though he was a Republican president, (laughs) but who most consider to be one of the greatest presidents, if not the greatest president, Abraham Lincoln. One of the tools in his arsenal that he was willing to employ. Martial law. And suspension of constitutional rights. Little matters like that. But I don't think that too many of the detractors of the president, of those who are solely detractors of the president. I'm a detractor of the president, but I detract from all of these others. I'm an equal opportunity detractor. But these others who are targeted detractors of the president, I don't think that too many of them would speak out against Abraham Honest Abe Lincoln. But but speaking of that, Republican President Lincoln, the great emancipator, isn't it interesting how the Democrat Party has enslaved the black vote for so long? Absolutely enslaved the black vote. (laughs) But again, back to this blacktivism. that is under the command of outside groups, outside forces, outside organizers, creating anarchy, attacking police, and others. Others who aren't like them, who ain't black, you know, as Joe Biden famously said very recently. Other things going on, organizers, community organizers, you know, those benevolent, beneficent community organizers, they are paying bonuses to people to get arrested. That's right. Well, that sounds legitimate, doesn't it? (laughs) Just wonderful. Meanwhile, down in Birmingham, Alabama, The mayor, Randall Woodfin, he approved the removal of a statue from Confederate Soldiers and Sailors Monument in Lynn Park. I imagine that the the name of this park will be expunged as well as this memorial, this monument. Why do you say that? (laughs) Why? Because. The monument, the statue, was of the man that the park is named after. 
Yes, that's true. Hard to believe, but true. So I imagine they will rename this park to something, you know, more appropriate. Instead of having it named after Charles Lynn, one of the founding fathers of Birmingham, Alabama, who served in the Confederate Navy, instead they'll, you know, name it after somebody more appropriate, like, oh, I don't know, how about Martin Luther King Jr., or even Malcolm X, maybe Ice Cube, you know, but just so happens that <laughs> there was a little matter of a contest, if you will, between the city of Birmingham and the attorney general's office, and the attorney general's office supposedly prevailed, namely in preventing removal of this monument. But again, leftists do not go by laws and rules. If they cannot get their way, they still have their way. Look at all of the sanctuary cities and states. And so even though the city lost, the city went ahead and had this monument removed. But even before they brought in a crew to remove it, good people of Birmingham attacked it, spray-painted it, chipped away at it, and tried to pull it down using a truck. But, oh, before I continue, let me just say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever's right and true and good in these programs, is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is lacking, erring, deficient, that's on me. That's due to me. That's my fault. I imagine that you saw or heard or read about whatever President Trump's ridiculous, celebratory, (laughs) whatever it was. They're in Lafayette Park across from the White House at St. John's Church where there had been a fire. (laughs) Well, The president, before crossing from the White House to St. John's, Lafayette Park was filled with protesters. And in order for the president to get over there, because it was so important, it was just so terribly important for the president and first lady to make this little jaunt and have this photographic opportunity that (laughs) police and so forth had to clear the way. Brilliant. Just brilliant. I mean, just, you know, where is that massive IQ when you need it? You know? (laughs) 
oh, well, we need this photo op, so let's go ahead and and provide a photo op that will do vastly more damage to the president than will than any possible benefit from this desired photo op. Just beyond stupid, just really incredible. Apart from <laughs> not being good or righteous or wise, but just incredibly stupid. But, oh well. Meanwhile, Nancy Pelosi, that great champion of godliness, godly virtue and all that, you know, that wonderful champion of induced abortion, elective abortion, great champion of sodomite activism, and the corruption, the subversion, the perversion of marriage. And all of the sodomite agenda, adoption of babies by sodomites and surrogate mothers for sodomites and just all of the monstrosities. Just this wonderful godly woman, Nancy Pelosi, that she has called on the president to be a healer-in-chief and not a fanner of the flame. Her words, for Donald Trump to become a healer-in-chief and not a fanner of the flame. She gave as one outstanding example of this. None other than Barack Hussein Obama. Yes. Do you remember Barack Obama? It wasn't so long ago that he was there in the White House less than four years, three and a half years, actually less than that. But, dear Barack Obama, with his outstanding attorney general, they sought to turn any and every incident in which there was a white and a black and the black did not prevail, they sought to turn it into a hate crime, not a crime, Not assault, not homicide, not attempted murder, not murder, but a hate crime. Because after all, murder isn't hateful. Brutal rape, any rape, that isn't. Or any actual rape, that isn't hateful. Kidnapping and such, that isn't hateful. Oh, and most importantly, Black-on-white crime isn't hateful. Black-on-black crime isn't hateful. Black-on-brown crime isn't hateful. And there it gets confusing because, of course, it's possible for the browns to be darker than the blacks. But 
but so-called white-on-black crime. Even if the white is Hispanic Latino, you know, so typically referred to as brown, that is hate crime. Hmm? Hate crime, fanciful, fictional designation of crime. No, that's not the only kind of hate crime. There also is the matter where it is sodomites are involved. In those cases where they're not committing the crimes, (laughs) or at least not successfully committing them, then it can be hate crime there too, even if there are no blacks involved. But Nancy Pelosi, this great champion of truth and so forth, righteousness, she holds up Barack Obama, Eric Holder, as the great examples of healer in chief, not fanning flames of hatred and violence. No, no, no. Even though the Department of Justice acted as the de facto fanner of flames for eight years under Barack Hussein Obama and Joe Biden. But Nancy Pelosi, this wonderful, outstanding, godly example. And you can tell it by all of her great works. (laughs) Yes. Meanwhile, Interestingly enough, when an African-American, a black, is attacked by, murdered by, blacks, that's not a problem. (laughs) 37-year-old man in Cleveland who was visiting his son and the mother of his son. It did not describe that woman as having been this man's wife or former wife, just said the son's mother, right? He visited them at the home in which they were. And while he was visiting them, there was home invasion. And the home invader was armed And when this man attempted to defend his wife and son while his wife was being attacked, the home invader murdered him. The woman and her son were not badly hurt. But the father of the boy, who had fathered the boy by this woman, He was murdered. Too bad there weren't some police involved, you know, so Ice Cube could get really excited about this murder, this home invasion murder in Cleveland. But, oh well. Meanwhile, what is the situation in the great United States of America of today? Really? What is it? Is it well? Is it healthy? I mean, apart from the coronavirus, 
Is it sound? Is it strong? You know, the kind of language we always hear in the State of the Union address. Contrary to, diametrically contrary to what we hear during the presidential campaign season. (laughs) Always fascinating. We hear all manner of things that are terribly wrong with this nation, usually... (laughs) Of certain sorts. You know how this this terrible, pervasive, endemic racism. And meanwhile, take a trip to Africa. But, oh, this place where it's just so bad to be a person of color. After all, no people of color have become millionaires. Or multimillionaires, or mega millionaires, or billionaires, or United States representatives, or United States senators, or governors, or cabinet members for the president, or president, or vice president, or head of this or that or the other, agencies, departments. In the federal government and the state governments, no, no. Mayor this and mayor that, no, never. None of them have become famous entertainers, famous athletes who are in the entertainment industry after all. No, certainly not. But... What is the state of affairs in this nation? And yes, I'm setting aside the coronavirus. COVID-19, that whatever it is. Epidemic, pandemic, crisis. It is a worldwide pandemic. And then if you look at the nation of the United States of America, it is a pandemic within the nation. But. Apart from that, and apart from how that has disrupted the world and this nation in very large part due to government reaction, aggressive, despotic, dictatorial, unconstitutional government reaction, apart from that. How are things in the United States of America? Apart from the impoverishment that is coming to pass in the United States of America and the world, courtesy of not just the pandemic, but the reaction to it. The heavy, heavy, heavy handed government reaction to it. You can find myriad people who will decry the heavy-handed dealing by the president concerning this violent blacktivism. But how many of them are concerned about the heavy-handed, oppressive government actions, unconstitutional actions that have been taken 
by Democrat governors across the nation, among others. But what is the state of the nation? Is it healthy? Is it sound? Is it righteous? Is it God-fearing, God-honoring, God-pleasing? Or is it instead in dire straits? Brought about not suddenly, not in one fell stroke, not just out of the blue, not because of some comet crashing into the earth, but instead as a result of Decade upon decade upon decade upon decade upon decade upon decade and so forth of war against the culture in the nation. Causing corruption, subversion, perversion, undermining of the nation. Weakening it perverting it, corrupting it, so that then when there is a triggering event that the nation can fall. If we imagine that all of the myriad forms of damage to the fabric of this nation that have occurred within the past half century are advancements, progress, then we are really deluding ourselves. The Roman Empire, I've mentioned it before, referred to it before, the fall of the Roman Empire, the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. You know, it was corrupt and perverse before it, long before it fell. And when it fell, then there still was the Eastern Roman Empire, but which lasted for another millennia, approximately. But what brought about the fall? Different experts say different things, but the fall is linked to, among other things, massive immigration by multitudes of peoples who, when they came into the Roman Empire, they were not assimilated as such. They were not loyal. They did not become loyal to the Roman Empire. And then there were myriad wars waged from without the Roman Empire against the Roman Empire. But absent the inner rot, the corruption, the wicked, perverse ruler, the depravity, and so forth. 
the Roman Empire may well not have fallen, at least not at that time. But the United States of America, hey, we are the sole world superpower, supposedly. (laughs) Well, once upon a time, you know, some time ago, we may have been for a blink. I'm not convinced that we were ever the sole world superpower, but at least a better argument could have been made for it going back sometime than can be made for it now. I made reference to the statement from the Director General of the WHO, the World Health Organization, Tedros Arhanom Ghebreyesus, who stated that There was this importance of building national unity and global solidarity. What did he mean by national unity? He was not referring to building up the integrity, the strength, the whatever of any given nation. No. Instead, he was talking about banding the nations together, joining the nations, and creating global solidarity. And, as I've mentioned previously, that is going to happen in the not-distant future. Not distant. How far off are we speaking? When you say not distant, do you mean in the next 100 years? No. Yes, in the next 100 years, but not that far off. In the next 50 years? No. Yes, but not that far off. I happen to believe it will be within the next 10 years at the outside, but that's me. You know, (laughs) apart from Donald Trump having a photo op and waving the Bible, Nancy Pelosi holding up her Bible and quoting a scripture or two or paraphrasing or what have you, ones that serve her purpose, one of the prophecies in the Bible that has yet to be fulfilled. It speaks of all peoples being caused to receive in their right hand or in their foreheads the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name and that no person may buy or sell if they have not received that mark. Obviously, this is just, you know, poetic language, right? This is just allegory. This is just, you know, metaphor. This this is not reality, you know. We are realistic people, but that's just, I don't know what that is, fiction, (laughs) Well, if there's one thing the Bible is not, it is fiction. But this is actually going to take place. Every person worshiping an image 
of the leader, the world leader emperor of the one world regime, and receiving a mark or a name or a number of that leader. Imagine that. Talk about unity. Talk about solidarity. Right? Can't we all just get along? Everybody's going to go along with this, except for those who worship God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Not the ones that, you know, when it is politically advantageous, wave a Bible, point to a Bible, and so forth. No. Attend a prayer breakfast. (laughs) National Day of Prayer, prayer breakfast. No. But those who are willing to die rather than worship This servant of Satan. Willing to die rather than receive this mark of ownership by Satan. All of the other people will be united. They will have solidarity. Not only from coast to coast in the United States of America, including, of course, the non-contiguous states of Alaska and Hawaii and, you know, the other quasi-states, Puerto Rico and Guam and so forth. No. Virgin Islands, United States Virgin Islands. No. Not just those areas. But all of South America, Central America, Mexico, Canada, UK, Australia, New Zealand, communist China, and all of the communist regimes, Vietnam, Laos, Burma, Burma, Myanmar, North Korea, and then these other free nations, South Korea, Japan, Russia, Central Asia, the Islamist regime. Europe, European continent, Scandinavia, everything. UK, all of the people of the world. Can you imagine that? That kind of unity of purpose, that kind of solidarity around the world. Obviously, that's going to be a great thing. That's not only going to be a good thing, it's going to be a great thing. Imagine the great things that we will all be able to do to accomplish if we are all united and joined together with this wonderful national unity of one world regime. Global solidarity. Right? No. No, that will be immediately preceding a great comeuppance. But again, those who refuse to go along, those who insist on obedience, fidelity, to God Almighty instead of man, instead of woman, they will suffer death. While the rest, 
will all embrace the better red than dead solution. Those times are soon coming. They are drawing near. We're being prepared for them by all of these wonderful things. Softened up as if we aren't softened up enough. But how much will you give in order to have wonderful government be at peace with you? (laughs) It will require everything. Either you will lose your life in this lifetime, or worse, you will lose it for all of the time thereafter. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you. Thank you.